everyone. Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. And today I have a guest, Audrey Kaltroy. We just uh, came back from yoga teacher training from uh, living one month in ashram. And uh, I decided to invite her and to talk about our journey together. And uh, Audrey has three yoga teacher training certificates. And uh, she lived in three different countries. She traveled around the world. She visited 70 countries. And it's always so interesting to talk to her. I always want to take my pen out and start taking a note. So I decided to invite her to our today's episode and talk more about our journey. Hi. Hi, Olga. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> nice to see you. The first question I would like to ask you is, uh, did you ever have a moment of the awakening when your life separated for before and after? Absolutely. I, I think I had many, but um, I would mention like, I think two big events in my life. One was um, a short story. It's a really funny story. Uh, I was living in Hungary and a very good friend of mine really, really wanted to travel the world. So what's the best opportunity is then um, be a flight attendant. So she didn't have a car and she found an interview place, which was in Prague. And then she asked me, it's like, it's 400 kilometers from us. So it's like, she's like, oh, would you mind to drive me there? I'm like, yeah, of course, we can then make it as a nice day trip. So I drove her there and eventually they interviewed me too. <laughs> and I ended up, <laughs> after three months, I ended up in Dubai. And I went there and I was thinking that is, oh, yeah, let's, let's experiment. Maximum, I'm going to stay like, what, six to eight months. And then eventually I, I spent almost 10 years there doing oh. very different <laughs> jobs. And um, I met my wife there. And also that was actually the first step which brought me closer to yoga. Because mm -hmm. with this same friend, we eventually ended up in the Bahamas in a Shivananda Ashram. And mm -hmm. that, was, that was a starting point, I would say, where I was like, oh, these crazy people are singing so much, but something happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, yes. <laughs> hours and hours of singing <laughs> in <Yeah>. Sanskrit. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting because the first time I stepped into the Krishna temple and uh, there was a ritual, it was one of the biggest holiday in uh, India when uh, there is light and dark energies and like uh, light energy taken over and it's big holiday of celebration of this peace and love. And uh, there was so many songs and praying and I'm like oh my god where am I <laughs> am I insect <laughs> exactly <laughs> was interesting that on the third or fourth day of this thinking I kind of felt another spiritual awakening uh during singing Sanskrit and uh I had this uh, experience twice in my life before once when I first time took ayahuasca 
And the second time when I was at Tony Robbins seminar and uh, he flew over healers from India and we were working through all our chakras, raising, I think, Kundalini. <laughs> that I don't remember this meditation because I had no idea what was going on, but the technique reminded me Kundalini energy rising. And uh, at, the, at the end, we did a prayer to our past generations, to our parents, grandparents, asking for uh, forgiveness, giving them love. And uh, at the end, he said, visualize your wildest dreams, your highest self, your ultimate reality, and make the craziest noise you can. And 5,000 people, after crying like crazy while talking to their relatives and uh, remembering their traumas, at the mm. end, they were like, ah! is crying everybody's crying but screaming and laughing and that moment was a moment of unity when we all felt like one and tony robbins was a, a little bit far from me but i was like i got it tony i got it i at that moment there was no time and space between us i just saw his soul his beautiful wife her soul and all these people and uh, i really felt high like high on something <laughs> and uh, then the third moment was on the fourth day in the krishna temple when we were singing sanskrit songs and the first uh, gita uh, one of our teachers she started to sing and uh, she was really singing from her heart i could feel that and uh, i felt like everybody else feeling her energy and then i, I started to feel like something is rising and all these people around us we all are connected. We all wear same uniforms. We all were singing same song and uh, all our voices were becoming one magical voice. And uh, these three teachers sitting on the uh, little platforms in their orange dressings, <laughs> like gurus in their lotus pose. And I'm like, wow. And again, I felt like something, like everything disappearing just this presence of unity which is amazing yeah so something about this absolutely <laughs> i agree i agree absolutely i would mm. i would share it with you actually i don't know um yesterday yesterday night was the winter solstice if if you're aware of that oh yes mm -hmm. and, yes um, i wrote anyway. a list of dreams <laughs> It's very powerful yeah, day. I just participated actually in a worldwide um, Gayatri Mantra chanting, mm. which was guided by Deva Pramal. I really love her. And actually, mm. it was so interesting because I was sitting here at home, but just that all that energy which gathers around the world and repeating wow. the mantra, like continuously, I was getting this energy flashes and it was so beautiful. And I'm like, look, we even don't need to sit in the same room. Like I was getting continuously. Okay. Goosebumps and and um, mm. and just like felt this common energy which brings us together from all mm. over the world and people in the chat box were saying is like literally I think it was from all the continents in the world it was really yes, beautiful yes. so yes. yeah it, it's so, so nice powerful. to share an experience when when the energy is moving and all this love spread between the people yeah, and this is true. The goal of meditation is to dissolve time and space to feel the unity. And uh, when we try to do that and we live in different countries or we're using our computers as a tool, there is no time and space. It dissolves when you have intention to reunite, like 
everything just disappears and it's your intention, your love, your soul's connection to each other. And this is amazing. This is new era. <laughs> it starts everything, even yoga classes now online and all these philosophy classes, chanting, everything is online. Yeah. But the most yeah. important mm-hmm. that, that we can spread that love and we can share that knowledge. So every it, yes. it's reachable now for everyone. Yes. And borders are just illusion, how our teacher used to say. That's actually an interesting story. Swami Vishnu Divananda, one of our founders, he actually founded uh, our ashram where we took our training. I wanted to share this story about uh, peace missions mm-hmm. and his dream. Yeah, so he, he had a dream of crazy wars going on. Uh, there were fights between politics, between countries, and uh, he felt this energy of destroying and uh, uh, he woke up and he decided to take over and uh, to start peace mission and uh, spread love and bring peace to the world. So he took a little airplane and uh, he did a few flights and one of the most uh, interesting were in Tel Aviv where he he was flying around with his assistant and uh, they just started to shot him, like try to trying to kill him and he just started to throw flowers (laughs) out of the airplane which is so funny and then once they landed they've been arrested and he's like oh great time great time for spiritual journey great time to stay quiet and meditate perfect prison (laughs) excellent (laughs) what can be better so in two days they just let them go this is such a funny story I can't (laughs) yeah and uh, and another thing then he was near that Berlin wall war where there was a conflict world war second and uh, he organized peace festival near the berlin wall and uh, people around were like oh my god what's going on they're gonna kill you he's like okay if they kill me so many people died because of war i'll be the one who dies because of peace (laughs) this is much better yeah yeah also also if you remember uh, he he created his uh, own passport. I wish we could do that nowadays. <laughs> it's like the world travel passport. I'm like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a genius. And somebody just gave him the driver license as a gift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's share our story about uh, what were our schedule like and uh, what does mean gurukulam? Because the way we studied, it was a gurukulam, which means uh, we lived with yoga teachers, with uh, swamis. And uh, who are swamis? Yeah, so swamis actually, they, they it's mostly coming from the Indian culture and um, they are gurus. Also, we can mm-hmm. say that we are all gurus, by the way, in the world, right? Because we all, we mm-hmm. all teachers and we all students in the same time. So the guru mm-hmm. is the teacher who is sharing their knowledge mm-hmm. and their wisdom and they guide the student in life. Now, in the curriculum, it's a much higher thing. So when you dedicate all your attention, life, energy, time, pretty much you offer yourself to the guru who who you mm-hmm. say that look whatever it takes i want to learn the most and the best mm-hmm. and then they leave together and they literally learn 24/7 now we yeah. took a small piece out of this <laughs> and and one month instead yes. of 12 years it <laughs> yeah. used to be 12 years exactly. to become yoga teacher yeah 
And the Swamis, they, they decide to be a Swami. So it's not by birth or it's not by um, a selection. It's, it's a calling from some higher someone and, um, and that's their life path. So they decide to be a Swami and it comes with a lot of, I don't know, actually, it's, it's hard. It's not an easy life, oh, yes. but it's very rewarding, they say. So they have to give up family life. They have to give up actually their existing family. They move to an ashram mm-hmm. and, um, and then they just serve for the rest of their lives. And they give up any attachments to belongings. They don't have much belongings except their uniform, <laughs> maybe a few books and uh, mala, which are mala is for meditation. It's it's like beans mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, not not much stuff. And uh, they just move from ashram to ashram. They don't have house or anything they're not attached to any material world and uh, they also give up uh, any type of uh, sensual attachments uh, such as sexual or any other attachments which is wild for, for most of the people it's only a few people who can do that it's really big commitment and uh, this is very admirable yeah exactly and uh and also they they learn like they study continuously in their whole life but also they sharing what they know so they continuously teaching all around and i think one of the biggest challenge for most of us in life to give up desires you remember it's like the the hardest things is when you want to give up the desire to give up desires actually so (laughs) (laughs) exactly so it's pretty much they they just working on it much harder because they they kind of try to get rid of all the destruction in life which because when Mm -hmm. we when we have a life right like we we have to take care of our house our pets our family our spouses our car our like there are so many things to-do list like every day we just have Mm -hmm. to-do list on top of each other so at least when they move in an ashram for example then there is a system where everything is organized and scheduled then they don't have to worry about other stuff but we always say you know Mm -hmm. but they but it's not the traditional way how most of us live in the world so they can Mm -hmm. trying to get rid of their desires to worldly objects I remember our teacher said that there is a certain type of freedom you can get by following discipline. And this is so true because our schedule was insane. I was thinking about that. It's 16 hours of work and then we would sleep eight hours, then wake up and another 16 Mm -hmm. hours. Because the way our schedule were is we're supposed to wake up at uh, 5.30. But then at 6 a.m. we already had a morning sansang where we would start from silent meditation, half hour, then chanting uh, Sanskrit songs. Then we were studying some philosophical scripts. Then we would go right away after that in 15 minutes, yoga class starts. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes breast work, then one and uh, one and a half hour asanas. Then after that, we would have a, a short breakfast. Right after that, we would have a karma yoga. It's another interesting practice which helps to feel the unity. When you, you share responsibilities around place where you live, somebody's doing some work in the kitchen, somebody washes toilets, somebody uh, prepares uh, something else. And uh, that also helps us to feel the unity that we all want 
body, one organism, and uh, also it purifies mind because we have so many mind chattering. For me, cleaning my house is always meditation. So I love cleaning and it's just placing everything in order and also placing my thoughts in order. So after karma yoga, right after that, we would go to Bhagavad Gita class, which is mm-hmm. a deep philosophy class. We'll talk about this. Then we would have short break where it was time to quickly get our homework done. <laughs> we also had a homework. <laughs> and after that, we would have another class, another philosophy class. Then we would go to another yoga class, starting with half hour breath work, then one hour and a half uh, yoga. Then we would have a dinner. And after that, evening sensing, another one hour and a half of uh, silent meditation, singing, learning some spiritual scripts and bedtime. So it was really intense, but time was flying. I I didn't feel like I'm getting tired. There was no time to think that I'm tired. (laughs) It was so intense. And yeah, there, there was a few moments when I was a little bit tired, but I would say that in my normal life, I would get tired much more often. And I don't know what was that. Maybe because we gave up coffee. So we were not drinking coffee, but we were doing lots of breath work to move our life energy. And uh, also there was no heavy food because usually heavy food like meat and uh, meat and other heavy food and processed food takes a lot of energy from body to process it, to digest it. And everything was very light and uh, we were in a very meditative state. And uh, I always felt like straight. I didn't have any up, ups, ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It, it was more like nice and easy. And uh, I felt this flow. It was really interesting experience. Yeah. yeah. And it's beautiful also to, to, I don't know, but every time when I go in an ashram, which happened now a few times in my life, it's such an interesting state because you start observing yourself from a different angle, like mm-hmm. discovering True. that it's like, oh, this is how it is. This is how it feels. This is how my body acts. This is how my mind acts. It's very interesting to observe all these changing. And yeah, as, as you mentioned, I think it's amazing that that you know it very clearly how we were capable of doing it because we don't wake mm-hmm. up every day at home at five o'clock and running around till <laughs> so 10 p.m. Like, yeah, moving all that prana or that all that um, energy, life force, it's, it helps. It helps a big time. And here is the perfect mm-hmm. recipe. Like the world is full of stress and anxiety and aggression, yeah. unfortunately. And here is, here is the perfect recipe. If you follow these steps, you feel better. You feel more energized. You mm-hmm. feel more balanced, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why a lot of people just give up their regular life, give up their stressful jobs, their crazy relationship, and they just leave and they go and live in ashram where they find peace and where they find meaning and knowledge. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk more about our diet. It's very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I love this topic. <laughs> and uh, um, what's interesting that as our teachers teach us that there is a three main um, forces or Guna. energies. Gunas, yes, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and one is sattva, which is calm, it's quiet, it's very meditative. And uh, the other one is uh, raja, which is 
going on and very active. And the third one is tamas, which is very tiring energy, uh, more lethargic, heavy. And we all have three of these energies within us, three natures. But depends on, on what we eat, we can nurture whatever we want to nurture. And uh, for example, if you take alcohol, there is two energies. First, it's rajastic. It brings you up. It gives you all this energy and you are in go, go, go. Let's go make more friends. Let's go more fun. And uh, after that, you have a big withdrawal syndrome. <laughs> there is a price to pay for that. And then you get into tamastic energy, which is energy mm -hmm. of tiredness, of uh, headache, hangover. And uh, uh, same with coffee. It brings us up. And then there is price to pay because we'll have a crush. And uh, Satvik diet wants to have this balance all the time. So that's why they don't drink coffee. They don't drink alcohol. They don't eat meat because meat is really heavy. It takes so much life energy to digest it. And yeah, it's basically plants. Legumes, yeah, absolutely. And also, mm -hmm. also, I think it could be very really interesting. Like when I first heard of it, I was like, why? So in the Sattvic diet, they don't eat onion and garlic. Mm -hmm. And um, when I first asked, I was in Nepal and, um, and I asked one of the guru there, I'm like, why? And then he said, it's like, because how easy to calm your mind? I'm like, it's not easy. Okay, so mm -hmm. just try it that you don't eat. Because both of them, everything which has very strong smell, actually, yeah, it's, it's literally like activating like unnecessary brain functions. Mm -hmm. So also it's connected that it's not an not a, um, accident that happened that in Ayurveda, they use garlic as a, as a herbal medicine. Mm -hmm. So if you take medicine every single day, then obviously it's not a medicine anymore. And um, right, me yeah. personally, it was hard to give it up. But um, as soon as we do, you can, you can feel the differences and the changes, especially mm -hmm. in meditation. So it makes a huge difference. It allows to calm down the mind. Absolutely. And I have a big dilemma whether to say no to meat <laughs> and just go all plant-based <laughs> or keep eating meat because uh, I was in bodybuilding for a while and uh, it's a big belief that you can't build muscles without animal protein, but it's actually not true because we need nine essential amino acids and if you know how to combine food correctly for example rice and beans gives you all nine essential amino acids so you don't need to have meat if, if you know how to put things together and you are smart about your diet then there is a way mm -hmm. but for now i decided to take it step by step and uh, my husband is uh, uh, he started to hunt and this uh, season he got a deer <laughs> for the family <laughs> and uh, yeah and I told him I will only eat wild meat the only meat which you bring to the home that's the only meat they're gonna have and the rest will be just plants and uh, it's uh, it's interesting because he brought this deer and we just cooked it right away and uh, it tasted like grass it was so crispy and it was not chewy at all. It was melting in my mouth. And it was such a big difference wow. 
from the meat you get from the store where you can't chew it and there is so much fat and uh, <laughs> I'm not into that anymore after that. Yeah, and, that's that's really interesting. Yes, and, and another uh, interesting thing is that um, another reason why people become vegetarians or vegans because just think about what kind of energy these animals have when they torture it in this artificial farms and uh, uh, they live all their life in fear. So it's not only bad energy in terms of yogis, but it's also common sense because when body is stressed, it produces lots of bad hormones like ad adrenaline, cortisol, and uh, it all causes big dis disharmony and it makes meat more uh, solid, more chewy. And uh, uh, then we go and eat this meat, which is meat of the animal who lived all his life in struggle and pain and probably was killed in huge fear. This is not just cruel, but it's also bad in terms of the health. And if you go more on this level of chemistry and also on, on the level of energy. Yogi also believe that we, we take their karma. We take this animal's karma by eating their meat. Yeah. But we're creating our own karma, which is another interesting stuff. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about karma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how the world is going nowadays, we, we don't know what's happening anymore. But yeah, there are different types of karmas, actually. Mm -hmm. So um, most of the people I think nowadays are familiar with... Um, that we're creating karma in our existing life. And they, so many people think that it's like, oh, when I do something wrong, that uh, God is punishing me, or why is it happening with me? And some people think that it's because of a previous life, but actually it's much more complex. So we have like a, a big bunch of package, mm -hmm. which is created in all the lives, but we only take more pieces mm -hmm. to the current life mm -hmm. with us from that. And then what we're creating, it goes back in the big picture. Some of them affect us in this life, but some of them, it's just like nothing happens with it. So it goes back in the big package. And later in later life, we might deal with it, we might not. But eventually we have to deal with everything, even if we want it or not. That's true. <laughs> um, which is, again, it comes originally, I think, from the, from the Hindu religion. Yoga is not a religion, but it's related in so many points towards the Hindu religion because it's originated in, in mm -hmm. India. But it doesn't mean that that we have to stick to a religion just yeah, to yeah. practice something good. <laughs> no, but we're not trying to convince anybody to start believing in karma. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just interesting to know, yes that um, yeah. there could be some correlation and they believe in the reincarnations and that we come to this life and uh, we have a certain karmas from previous life and it depends on what our karma were like we were born in a certain country or a certain family and ha we have a certain talents mm -hmm. or looks all based on the karma we created in past lives which is interesting it is interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, also another interesting thing, which I've learned, and uh, I told it to my husband and to a couple of friends, and they love it, <laughs> is uh, seven bumikas. It's uh, seven stages of knowledge. And there is uh, four stages in our dual world uh, where we deal with karma and uh, 
three last stages in the world of oneness where karma is disappearing. The, the first four stages of knowledge is just think about that. When you want to learn something, you are, we all want, we always crave to get more knowledge, more information. We buy more books, even though we don't read them, we still buy more and more books. <laughs> yeah. I told my husband, let's not buy any more books until we finish all of them. He's like, yeah, sure. Then like last month we've got mm -hmm. 10 more. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the first uh, stage uh, of knowledge is uh, searching for the truth. So we start to wonder what is the truth? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there is difference. Somebody believes in karma and that's their truth. Somebody doesn't believe in karma and that's their truth. So different truth. Once we found the truth, there is a second stage. Uh, when you then, stick to yeah, one, then we start asking, right asking the right questions. Yes, absolutely, yes. And this is very yeah. important one because on the quality mm -hmm. of our questions depends quality of our life. Better questions we ask, better life we have. Uh, deeper questions we ask, deeper meaning we have. And uh, yeah, by asking right questions, we'll get the right answers. And the, it brings mm -hmm. us to the third stage, which is uh, finding one thing and concentrate on one thing. So whatever you find, maybe you find your truth in yoga teachings and uh, you want to become a teacher and stuck to this truth and go deeper and deeper and deeper and learn more and more. And then you can go and serve and teach others or it's... Uh, playing musical instrument, piano or guitar, and you start that and you become the, the best musician in the world. So wherever you choose, or maybe it's uh, programming, you go into technology and you become the best, uh, <laughs> one of the most advanced uh, technology person. It also makes sense because if we go and dig for water, and we dig, 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 and there is no water. And then we start, we go a few meters away from that and we start to dig again. It doesn't make any sense. You need to dig at the same place. So this is really useful to understand. Just stick to something, to one thing, and don't switch your focus because it will not help. And the fourth stage is when you do your purpose, you do the thing you choose, and then uh, you experience oneness. By doing what you love, you experience oneness with everything, which is all about the awakening, experience oneness, whatever they call it, <laughs> absolute. Then when you're on the fourth stage, there is very big danger, which is our ego we may be like, oh my God, now I know everything. I am the best guru and I'm going to go and show this world. <laughs> and that may bring you back to the first level. So you can fluctuate in between these levels. But once you are over it, there is a big gap between this uh, duality stages and the last three stages in oneness and once you are there there is no way back and that's where you start to work on your karma and uh, the first one the which is fifth is uh, when you experience that oneness and uh, you, you, you serve, you teach, you keep doing your duties but you start to lose interest in all this 
sensual world, desires, yeah. Yeah, attachments. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the sixth stage, which is where you see Brahman, which is oneness everywhere. And you stop eating, you stop doing your duties unless somebody is around you and tell you, hey, here's some food, please take because you'll die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> please eat some food. <laughs> hey, go wash your dish dishes. <laughs> and uh, the last stage is when yogi in that stage of uh, oneness, when he doesn't even eat when it, food is served. He doesn't do anything. And it's uh, basically, he can only stay there for no more than three days because he, he's probably yeah. going to die. Just throw away his physical body and get his astral body to that Keep next level it. to the oneness. He has so much work. <laughs> do you know what stage you're at? Somewhere, definitely somewhere in the first half <laughs> when, when we keep yes, searching, we, we do so many things and trying to work on ourselves and to lower our ego and being more humble. But eventually it's, it's, it's really hard. Like, so reaching that point where ego doesn't exist, it's yeah. hard because when you feel that you achieved something, which is already a desire, what we're supposed to get rid of it, right? <laughs> so it's like, sure, but that's yeah. a desire to getting rid of your ego. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of practice and practicing all the methods. For example, me personally, I'm good in one part, but then I'm losing it on the other. And I'm working on the other side and then losing the first one. So it is a mm -hmm. lot of effort. Mm -hmm. But, um, but keep trying. <laughs> As Dory yes, is like, keep yeah. swimming. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, this is how we navigate. I really tried to, to stack on the third level because... I have this issue of switching my focus all the time. I was switching countries all mm -hmm. the time, then jobs, studying. I, I've studied so many things. First, I was an aeronautical engineer. Then I was a massage therapist. Then I studied finance. Then I studied real estate. Then I studied uh, personal training. Then I studied nutrition. Now I study yoga. <laughs> and I, I, I tried to find what's my nature and uh, where do I want to dig really deep but yoga is, is resonating with me a lot because I really like how it brings together physical mm -hmm. and mind and spiritual aspect it's all in one and that's where you start to find the connections find the dots in between all of this completely different things and that's why I like yoga more than bodybuilding because bodybuilding is just awareness of your body yoga is awareness of everything. And even asanas, it's a preparation for meditation. I never had idea that what's asana meant to be for. I thought it's for body to be more balanced and to be more strong, but apparently it just prepares us for meditation. So we can sit still for half hour or hour and don't move because it's really hard just to sit, yeah. sit straight for 30 minutes you start to have all the lower back pain, all the hips pain, knee pain, everything. <laughs> yeah, so, I think it's other, if, if we want to say interesting facts, when you mentioned our daily schedule, if you think of it, we were sitting on the floor pretty much. The yeah. two satsangs are three full hours. And then we had plus yeah. the lectures, which were another three hours. So, so yeah. every day... We were eating on the floor. Yeah. 
<laughs> so another. Yeah, and then eating on the floor. Um, and then we are sitting on the floor while doing pranayama, which is two times per day for half an hour. That adds another one mm-hmm. hour. So I would say roughly minimum seven hours sitting with straight back, yeah, yeah, cross-legged yeah. on the floor. <laughs> that requires a lot of strength. <laughs> back strength and everything. Mm-hmm. But we got really good at the end. Yeah, at the beginning, I wasn't able to sit with my legs crossed for more than three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> at the end, I was doing 30 minutes. Yeah, I started to do 30 minutes. 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm good now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it takes uh, years of practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you start to twist your legs in all these weird positions <laughs> to get more advanced. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> now we understand why the curriculum yeah. system used to take like at least 12 years. <laughs> they really wanted That's to master true. it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk more about uh our theory we talked about seven bumikas and Mm -hmm. i would love to talk about brahman oh this is so magnificent (laughs) (laughs) yeah so would you like to talk about this i even don't know where to start brahman is the absolute now the question is what's the absolute right Yeah, we learned the basic phrases, I think, there, but I would say even a lifetime is not enough to understand it fully. And we live in in this world, which is because we cannot understand really with our human brain what is Brahman, what is the absolute, what is the oneness. Some of us, if lucky enough, then we might experience it, might not. That's why we live in Maya which is an illusion. So everything around us is Mm -hmm. just a big illusion. So actually our brain cells can process the information and and relate to it as humans. Otherwise, most probably we Mm -hmm. would just, I don't know, go nuts. (laughs) So yeah, and we really like to enjoy ourselves in this Maya which is very colorful. Mm-hmm. And I heard it so many times, like Earth is the biggest playground to complete your karma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when <laughs> they're so born, good. then they choose, as, as you mentioned, that, that we choose everything. We choose our parents, we choose where the soul comes down to, to reborn and, and which um, physical body, which uh, circumstances, which country, everything pretty much to mm-hmm. lead the experience. That's that's very interesting. And uh, uh, w- what is cool that Brahman is something so big that we will never understand it because it will never fit into our brain. And uh, when I first took uh, ayahuasca, I think I saw something like Brahman because there was a moment when everything was all this universe and multiple universes and uh, all the knowledge I had, all my experience was like boiling in a huge pot. It was like moving around. The energy was moving around. And uh, uh, the way our teachers told us there is three energies, energy of creation, Brahma, not Brahman, Brahma, then energy of preservation, which is uh, Vishnu, and energy of uh, uh, destroying Shiva, because in order to build something new, you need to destroy something old. So this is very important energy of creation as well. And uh, uh, I really felt, you know, this, this boiling everything, and something was creating, something was destroying, something was staying still, and it was crazy. I really felt 
I am crazy. <laughs> and once I come back to this world, they will take me to the mental hospital because I will try to explain that to the people and they will think that I'm crazy. But at the end, once I was already calming down from all this experience, I realized that there is no words to explain this. Nobody will take me to the mental hospital because they will never understand, because I will never be able to verbalize what I saw. And uh, I think that was Brahman. Brahman basically is God. But um, in, our, in most of the religions, they see God as a personalized creature, maybe Jesus or Buddha or uh, Ganesh or something else, because it's much easier for our brain to associate that with a certain thing, not something, something generalized, which is everywhere. God is everywhere around the world, uh, in each plant, in each uh, incense, within us, everywhere. This is that that doesn't fit. <laughs> it's easier to believe in Jesus <laughs> yeah. yeah, or Allah. And which is also illusion, which is also Maya. So projection of Brahman, mm -hmm. the absolute interhumanized God is Maya. It's not like that. And uh, another analogy is that we have a Brahman within us, which is named Atman. Mm -hmm. It's the absolute within us. And we also forget about that. It gets blocked all the time. We forget about that. And when we forget about that and we think we have a soul or whatever we have inside, that's, uh, this is Jiva. Jiva. It's illusion within us. We think we are this intellect or we are this soul, but we are absolute as well. Yeah. This is very interesting, very deep. And I, I think that's that theory definitely resonates with me was uh, from what I've read from so many sources and from what I saw when I had plant medicine journeys, mm -hmm. it, it really makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. It's just very deep. It, it's going to take forever to understand. <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's yeah. why we, we were lucky enough to go in the ashram and, and they provided us pretty much all the tools, which, which is mm -hmm. the key to purify ourselves. And if we can purify ourselves, then we have a chance to understand all this. Because there is so many distractions, mm -hmm. so much illusion oh, yeah. <laughs> and confusion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's really hard to stay focused. And that's why meditation is so important mm -hmm. every day because you dedicate time for you. And uh, it's usually supposed to be at the same time. Mm -hmm. So your brain is more focused in one space. Ideally, it should be same room, same place or same corner of your apartment. Mm -hmm. But you just every day close your eyes and Focus on your breath, hold steady position and go within and try, try to experience that unity. When you lose the essence of time and space and you become one with everything. And it takes years to experience that. Some people meditate and never experience that. Exactly. But it still brings some, at least it brings some calmness in our mind because we sit down for 30 minutes and we're like, oh my God, my thoughts, like horses running around my head. <laughs> yeah. And also yeah. I think very important to mention that, that one of the most important things is our intention because a lot of people is like, oh, I'm not able to do it. Like, oh, why would I waste my time anyway? I can't do it, etc. But if we, if we put our mindset that is like, you know what? I don't know if I can do it or not, but at least try. 
And I think that's a very Absolutely. good message for the world nowadays that just put your heart in it, put your mind to it, and then just let's try it. Mm-hmm. And uh, while you're trying, yes. try to keep smiling and keep up the positive spirit. And all <laughs> the rest just comes around it, right? Yeah. I think I think that's what, what yeah. I, I most admire of you. It doesn't <laughs> matter how many lemons throw their life to you, Olga. I, I see you. I see you laughing at it and making more and more delicious lemonade out of it, right? That's true. <laughs> Thank you. So, yes. yeah, and it comes down to I, this. I just find that I just find that being upset is much more energy demanding. <laughs> it's really hard. Like if you pissed with something, you pissed off. Are you gonna spend three days of being upset and mm-hmm. just destroy everybody's lives around you? Or if you really want to be upset, just focus it in one space. I don't know. Just scream like crazy, throw dishes on the floor, like let it mm-hmm. go out, <laughs> and then go mm-hmm. and be happy. <laughs> Keep being happy and bring this love to the world I agree (laughs) I agree and I follow the same rules so and yeah and it was actually I think it was a very nice experience in the ashram to to experience it all together so first of all when a lot of energy combined so a lot of people came to one space with the same intention right we are wanted to learn we wanted to learn about the same topic (laughs) then when we meditate together we all concentrate in the same time and focus and they guide it for example so they help us to visualize certain things and we concentrate Mm -hmm. on that one dot which is for us supposed to be all at one so we're getting all these tiny tools which is bringing us all together and it's elevating like all the energy and um Mm -hmm. yeah so it's i think it's a very interesting experience of of it doesn't matter who you are where are you coming from and what's your knowledge you just end up together and we all want the same thing and these Mm -hmm. tools works for everyone absolutely and that's what i love about ceremonies that people gather in a circle they have intention and they have this experience together because this is our nature even from ancient times when we lived in tribes we would still gather every night uh, around fire and have dances Mm. or some music or some rituals and that's why so many people love to go out and drink alcohol because and they love to take shots because they love to be in a circle Mm -hmm. they sit in a circle and let's do shots but they don't think that at that moment their body even doesn't want to have it because what happens to the face of the person who takes shot? He's like, uh, he's like trying to reach the napkins to clean their face because it's disgusting. And then their face is turning red. And uh, why it's turning red? Because body's having allergy reaction. It's uh, literally toxin. We ingest toxin by drinking alcohol. But why we do that? Because we just want a simple thing. We just want to be in a circle. <laughs> and that's why I love things like just to have a woman's circle Ooh. or just sometimes we have friends and we have cacao ceremony. <laughs> we take a cacao and uh, we set up intention why we are in this circle today. What do you want to get from this experience? And usually people just say we want to reconnect. We want to be closer to the nature because we live at the cottage and uh, it's a lakefront. And uh, 
after that, we go and have fun. We go to the sauna, we do meditation there, we jump into cold shower or into the cold lake and play around with that intention and feeling this unity. And that's much more fun than drinking alcohol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I really reduce that to almost nothing because I just go and take bubbly, which is uh, zero, zero sugar, mm -hmm. zero everything. It's just basically carbonized mm -hmm. water because we like the idea of having something or sometimes I just take water. I love drinking water <laughs> and it's so much more fun than having alcohol and then having headache next day. The only moment when I take alcohol is when we go to the restaurant with my husband and we have a event to celebrate and there is a good, nice Italian wine, <laughs> like some expensive bottle. And we're really taste it with each bite we have and the like, experience of that then it's meaningful for me mm. other than that <laughs> on the parties it's not fun anymore yeah. and uh, uh, also uh, let's talk about Bhagavad Gita so we started to talk about all this philosophy and all this knowledge and this is another interesting topic and I remember our teacher said that there is a uh, one man coming to ashram regularly and he's uh, 80 something 82 or 84 and uh, he've learned just one asana which is headstand because he've heard it's a king of all the asanas and he comes to ashram he does a headstand and he puts a bhagavad gita podcast which is a philosophy of mm -hmm. bhagavad gita and each podcast is 45 to 60 minutes and he just listened to this podcast and <laughs> does headstand for one hour, which is unbelievable. So what's so special about Bhagavad Gita? Bhagavad Gita is an ancient story and um, where Krishna is actually teaching Arjuna. So the book has 18 chapters. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's originally written in Sanskrit. There are many mm -hmm. versions of the, of the translations, if you look around in the world, and many commentary as well, because even though if we would speak fluently Sanskrit, it's not that easy to understand because it's so deep and so, so many things to learn from it. I met people who, who were really old and in their whole life, they're studying the Bhagavad Gita. But back to it. Um, so it has 18 chapters and um, the first one is like an introduction. And the second one is actually um, Krishna gives all the teachings to Arjuna. And then for all the rest of the chapters, pretty much is just Arjuna doesn't understand it mm -hmm. good enough. So pretty much for 16 chapters, continuously Krishna is explaining everything what he said in the in the second chapter to Arjuna that it's like now you get it <laughs> and goes, goes into details and gives and gives a lot of advices and teachings and it's kind of a thing it's like oh so Arjuna didn't get it in the first spot but but then we had the we have a chance sometimes to read a little bit of Bhagavad Gita or or listen now with this technology podcasts and people who are experts of it and and it's just mind-blowing there are so many things which is um we spent in the ashram, I think, a full class for almost two hours. And then next day we repeated it, what is action in, in mm. action and in action in action. And we are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your experience about it? Was it your first time to hear about it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. First time. And I just got a few things. <laughs> 
<laughs> a few intakes. One is uh, uh, inaction and action, which is very interesting because there is analogy. What does it mean? There is analogy. Krishna, it's a Hindu god, which is represented as a young and joyful boy with a little flute in his arms. And he's so playful and joyful and he has this little flute. This flute is analogy to our body. And he is the god who is playing flute. He's playing this music. Mm -hmm. And flute is just an instrument to perform this uh, ultimate mission, whatever he's doing, bringing music to the people. And uh, that's how we're supposed to consider our body, is that there is a god, the Brahman, which is playing his song through our body. And we are just tool which transfers that God's mission to other people. And through our uh, serving and completing our duties, we do what this ultimate reality mm -hmm. wants us to do. And uh, we should consider ourselves without getting attached to any results, which outcomes which can be there. For example, if we cook food, we have three kids and each of them have different preferences. Mm -hmm. And one wants sweets, the other one wants uh, uh, steak, the third one wants uh, something else. And you just cook one meal for everyone. And you just do your duty as a mother. You cook it, you put your love in, and then you just serve it. And you're not getting attached whether they want to eat it or they don't want to eat or they say, mom, it's awful. You just cook this with love. And they say, mom, it's awful. You're just like, oh, I did my duty. <laughs> I am flute of Krishna. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> it really gives you peace mm -hmm. if you have this type of um, attitude versus if you are like, oh my God, I spent three hours in the kitchen and those kids don't want to eat. I just going to destroy them. I just going to destroy everything. That's not going to work because you should not be attached to any outcome of which you have. And this is very deep and it can be applicable to every single person or wherever you do. Just do your best. Just do that as your inner God is doing this. So you can't do bad job <laughs> because this is God within you doing that. So you should do your best, but then just don't think if somebody doesn't like it, that's how I do this podcast. That's how I decided to do that. I was like, what if people will judge my accent? I can't even say words properly sometimes. <laughs> and then I thought maybe it will only help few people, but I'll just do my best. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Even if nobody listens to that, mm -hmm. I'll just complete my duty. That's it. And it's really helpful. It's really helpful to move on and to get rid of all these limiting beliefs, judgments on yourself or some people having judgment on you. They may judge you. It's human nature, but you're just not getting attached to that. Exactly. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't affect I think not? it's really deep. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think just this little knowledge was going to ashram and live there mm -hmm. for months. Yeah, exactly. It's really profound. And it's, sometimes it's mm -hmm. funny because we get all this amazing knowledge there and each of them, one by one, sounds easy and very obvious and you would say it's like, yeah, of course. And then each, Common sense. each yeah. one single of them, it's 
let's say it's possible to practice, but when you combine them and you put them together and you want to practice all together, mm-hmm. and it's not just to say it, it's like, yeah, I don't care what people think about me, but then eventually our ego kicks in and then we start fighting it. And then all this picture comes together. And with the practice and with yeah. this intense practice for a month where we, where we get all the guidance and help and all this energy, And then you go home and it's like, wow, I did that. Now let's continue at home. And then I don't know what about you, but I come home and it's not that easy. It's one by one. It makes sense. And it sounds like doable, but... When, when you want to put it all together, it is challenging sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, but it's Absolutely. also very yeah. exciting for me, to be honest. I try to implement yeah. it in every small steps in my life. And it's been mm-hmm. almost 15 years that I'm practicing yoga. And I'm not talking about like wow. asana practice. It's more like yoga philosophy. For me, it's like traveling the world and just going around with open eyes and open heart and welcome everyone, welcome Mm -hmm. everyone's knowledge. And it's up on me what I take Mm -hmm. for myself or not, but it's a very interesting and very exciting journey. That's amazing. Were your uh, teacher trainings in India different from this one where it was? Yeah. So what what happened is I I started to practice yoga and I don't know exactly what indicated, but I never liked singing in my life in generally. And also I was really like with chanting and kirtans, I was very, ah, let's say like, I'm like, okay, it's good for others, but maybe it's not my thing to do. <laughs> this is how it started mm-hmm, yeah. and um and it's just so weird because sanskrit words never been so complicated for me to pronounce it and i'm really not good at languages and also it's mm-hmm. just i don't know how but it it sucked me in maybe that's that's what i can say the most wow. so i cannot imagine that i was not related to this in previous lives or some other life circumstances because because if I would talk logically it's not my nature but but I can't I literally mm-hmm. can't resist it so if I hear it it's just, wow. it, it brings me in it brings me in and it's, I just want to like yeah, can yeah. I just sit around Absolutely. can I just a little bit participate it's just just a little bit more <laughs> and then as soon as it takes it and it it's I can feel it in my veins so what happened is like I, I traveled, I used to live in Dubai and I was lucky enough that um, India wasn't too far for me. So when I started to practice mm-hmm. yoga, obviously you meet people and you get in contact with people who, who also were travelers or have common interests and you hear this one, hear that one, you start like kind of shopping around what's for you, what's not. And I was lucky enough to meet the right people and being in the right place sometimes. Um, so I visited India mm-hmm. multiply times. I went, uh, I was searching for ashrams, for spiritual places. I met many swamis and each of them just puts you in a different, like a continuing the journey. So it's like, yeah, you should practice this. You should practice more that. I learned different type of meditations. I, I very accidentally ended up in Sri Lanka for purely touristic reasons, nothing to do with my spiritual journey, I went to Kandy, where 
the taxi driver dropped me to a wrong place in the middle of the jungle in a small house, which was a private house of a family, and they were Buddhists. And um, it was it, it was the rainy so season when when the the tall grass, like not too tall, but like knee length, it was full of leeches. So by the time it was dark, I didn't have a headlight. By the time I get to the house, I was full of leeches and I was crying like hell. It was so painful. And I get into this house and then they were so nice. It's like, what are you doing here, darling, in the middle of the night? I'm like, I don't know. Like I had an Airbnb booked, but clearly this is not the one. And this taxi driver didn't speak a word of English and just dropped me in the big, in the middle of the jungle. And I'm not joking. It was like there was no lights, no house, otherwise nothing. And then it's like, no problem. We don't have much, but he helped me to take off the leeches from my leg. I was so scared. I even, I've never seen them like that. And I spent the night there. And the next day, I figured it out that I was literally 15 to 20 minutes far from from the village or, or small town, Candy, where I was planning to go, which is the center of a really, really big mo- uh, Buddhist temple where under seven real golden uh, bell, they keep Buddha's teeth, the original teeth, one teeth of of Buddha. (laughs) And that's why it's a very famous place. But it's so funny because I I didn't know it when I was heading there. And anyway, so I ended up with this man. And then he said, it's like, oh, no problem. I will drop you to the monks, uh, the Buddhist monks. And eventually my whole trip, which was supposed to be just sightseeing and museums and touristic stuff and hiking a little bit. I ended up in a a Buddhist uh, monastery in Kandy where women are not allowed, but they let me, they dressed me up, covered my hair, and then eventually they allow me inside. And I spent the most beautiful three days of Buddhist, I learned there Buddhist meditation and Buddhist chanting, which is very different. So when you say life just takes you to places if if you're ready for it. (laughs) This is beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Our teachers also believe that if you came to yoga teacher training, that means you practiced yoga in your past lives. I I have to say, I think so. Because it's it's impossible just to, you know, randomly happen mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I was a little bit lost in 2015, I didn't know what I want to do, what's going on with my life, what kind of relationship uh, I want to have. And uh, I even had thoughts to just randomly fly to Tibet and study Uh, meditation, (laughs) study, like find a guru teacher and learn wisdom from him. I was really going to Tibet and I I wanted to take my mom with me. She's a very adventurous woman. She did ayahuasca with me, like without any hesitation. (laughs) You're doing ayahuasca? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah. So we were going to to go there and just study that. Yeah, it comes from somewhere. I always was wondering and all this spiritual stuff and I always been very intuitive. And what's interesting also that coincidence or blessing, we ended up in ashram at the year of pandemic and we successfully completed our (coughs) yoga teacher training on Saturday (laughs) and then on Monday, a day after, it became red zone and they closed the shram, which is insane. <laughs> we just did it. Universe or whatever blessed us. We've got the knowledge. We've got our certificates. We go, we're ready to go and serve people. And they closed the course. Yeah. Yeah. 
Incredible. <laughs> Call it crazy or meant to be. Yes. And the last topic I would like mm. to talk about you is Kundalini. I talked about this in my previous podcast and uh, we covered it a little bit, but I've learned more in our school and I really would like to cover that because I never knew that it's connected to our energy channels within us. There is a uh, 72,000 nadis <laughs> within us, which are... Uh, energy channels and they also located along to our nervous system so it's all connected not on just astral level but also on our physical level and uh, there is one major channel with it which is within our spine which is called susumna mm -hmm. and next to that one there is two channels called uh, ida and uh, what's Ingala. the other one Pingala, mm -hmm. yes. And they wrap around spine as a, like a snakes yeah. in the form of snakes, which is very uh, mystical because snakes are everywhere. <laughs> I've read a book uh, named Cosmic Serpent and uh, um, the author brought so much meaning behind snakes and that it's been there forever. And uh, even we, if we take a uh, Bible, there is Adam and Eve and there is snakes. If we take a doctor's sign, which comes from ancient Greece, there is a uh, like a cup with two snakes around mm -hmm. that. He also, the author of this book, uh, brought a lot of illustration, which were like over 3000 years before centuries, was from different uh, parts of the earth where there was no connection, but there was the same pictures of these two mm -hmm snakes wrapping around each other and if we look inside our dna there is also two things wrapping around and he, his theory is that it's really connected to our creation and uh that we were brought to this world to by some type of cosmic serpent or cosmic dragons or snakes and i don't know this mm -hmm. is all just a theory but it's really interesting how it's all connected and uh, when we work on our kundalini which is raising energy from our lower chakra to upper chakras along the spine people often hear the noise of snake mm -hmm. like shh, like this yeah, it's, it's all related and all connected. And uh, this energy is really powerful. It's uh, uh, energy of creation. And uh, apparently you should be really careful if you want to awake your Kundalini and you're not ready. You may bring a lot of damage to your body because it's really powerful. And it's like if you would play with uh, wires inside of the house and there is a virus of electricity and you don't know what it is, but you just start playing with that. You can burn the house accidentally. Same with this uh, Kundalini energy. If you don't know what you're doing, you can burn yourself. And uh, there was literally cases when people would end up in a mental hospital just by raising Kundalini energy. I had no idea about that. So could you please share what do you know yeah, about that? You, you're absolutely right with everything what you said. And I was the same when I started my this journey like more than 15 years ago. You can you can go in studios and they have like yin yang yoga and Bikram yoga and Kundalini yoga on the menu. Then also you can find so many meditation, for example, which is, oh, this is a meditation and we try to open our kundalini energy and raise it. And we hear it so many places, but what is it exactly and how does it work and, and what are the consequences that I never heard when... I heard the word like thousands of times when I never know deeper what's, what's going on behind. 
so the kundalini energy actually it sits in our body and where is our root chakra so it's in it's kind of if we want to imagine it's the bottom of the spine and um and as you mentioned the nadis that's that's um again it comes back in in um people might know as uh, the meridians in the eastern culture for example so the energy points and when we healthy so we try to keep ourselves our body and mind healthy and balanced so when they balance and the energy can flow through them very nicely and where they meet that's where are our chakras the chakras for the astral body mm-hmm. right now but because mm-hmm. the kundalini energy it's in the very bottom so it's in it's in the root you always want to work from the bottom to the top Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, if we don't purify ourselves with food, with meditation, with chanting, with different ceremonies, with selfless service, which is uh, karma yoga, with with all the tools what we what we have in hand, then it could be very dangerous because you just let like a huge energy power surge just to run around and damage everything. It's the same like a, a, a lightning for a house, right? It can fry all the electronics in the house. So it, it's exactly what happens with our nervous system as well. Unfortunately, um, when I was traveling, I, I met a girl, I always say, but, but she was like a mid-aged woman, by the way, by the time I met her. But when she was young, she was really working and going for a workshop with the, uh, working with Kundalini energy. And, and she really put it in her mind that she wants to awaken her Kundalini energy. And what happened is eventually, if you work on it really a lot, nothing is impossible. But without the support system, it's not the best idea. And, um, and I heard scary mm. stories before from here and there. And my friend's friends told me a story, but you know, how is it when it's not firsthand, it's like kind of you skeptic and yeah. like, who knows what happened exactly. But this woman, yeah, I, yeah. I spent some time with her and, um, unfortunately she shared her story and, um, she really worked on it really hard till the point when she opened her Kundalini energy and she said it's, it's an extreme joy and and it's crazy how good it is. But the problem is then then she got attached to her desire. It's not only, <laughs> but it's it's amazing. So imagine that you're eating the most delicious fine dining food in your life, but then you're getting full and you want to stop, but you can't stop eating. So if you don't know how to stop it or how to actually it's not stopping it, it's more like controlling it, which is all the tools what we have. It's it's all about balance. Balance is about a conscious control. Then you are in trouble. So eventually she went mad and she lost her mind. It started with a nervous breakdown and then she literally lost her mind and she ended up in a mental hospital and she was there for many, many years and got treated um, with medications and um and physical treatments as well, um, which which was really, really hard. And um, if I remember there, well, like she was there for like four or five years, imagine literally in a room mm-hmm. in a mental hospital. So, mm-hmm. so that's really hard. Eventually she got cured, but with modern medicine, they managed to control her behavior and her physical body to the point that she kind of could talk with the right people to work on it and and get back to normal life so she can live her life but she got damaged in certain ways which is she can't turn it back she can't do anything with that so she needs to be very very conscious now what she's doing and how she's doing it and it was the most terrifying thing and 
all those years, she was just wishing to rather just leave this body because she 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 said she she couldn't handle it and she she couldn't see any way out of it. It's uh, very similar to what may happen with uh, psychedelics. Mm -hmm. It can be a really powerful tool to experience oneness, to get rid of past traumas. And uh, there is so many benefits. But if you don't know what you do, you're, you're not supposed to take it somewhere at the club or on the mm -hmm. party. Because if you don't know what you do, you may really get in trouble. And there is also cases when people were taking ayahuasca or mushrooms, and then they would end up jumping on the couch, screaming that they are Jesus, <laughs> and also end up in the mental hospital. This type of things, I think the most important is to be ready to prepare physically, mentally, follow diet, do meditation, clear your mind also putting house in the water helps with preparation for any psychedelic experience and uh, uh, only if you do that consciously and there is somebody who mentors mm -hmm. you whether it's a teacher or it's a shaman if it's plant medicine because irresponsible things may really lead to big trouble yeah but also it's like, it's the lack of knowledge. When you're curious about it, it's good. You already have the drive to know more about it. So just dig a little deeper mm -hmm. and know know what's there and what is it exactly. Not just like, oh, I heard this. It's really cool. I heard it from my friend and my friend is really cool. So it should be okay. I think yeah. I think people should be more conscious and like know your things. And, and if you're curious, why not? Knowledge is power and, and it's, it's awesome. So um, just get more get to know more about it and and then by your judgment your own judgment just just decide what's good for you because that's the other thing it's people sometimes get confused i feel that that which is good for me it doesn't mean it's exactly the same things good for you so know yourself analyze your mind get one point in and know what's good for you food wise exercise wise knowledge wise everything in life i think Mm -hmm. because we yes. we all have our Absolutely. individual like this is where atman comes in right we have our <laughs> our individuality because we still live in in duality where i am you and you are god and i am god and we are the same but if you ask me do you really believe that it's more like still we cannot jump that that certain knowledge it's it's more like a theoretical level rather than a deep understanding and living it. And and you need to know what's good for you and how can you develop the most and reach that higher level for yourself. And it's all of them an individual journey and uh, it's a self-development. Uh, another important point is uh, being able to discriminate good from pleasure mm -hmm. because we often pursue something what is pleasurable, mm -hmm. but not good for us. Mm -hmm. Instead, we should be aware that we should perceive what is good for us because that's the higher meaning. Pleasure by itself will not bring us to the highest self. No. Pleasure may take us to really dark places. Mm -hmm. And also pleasure just creates more and more desires because it's just mm -hmm. usually what's good for us, it's not... I wouldn't say most of the time, but pretty much it's not that pleasurable yeah. on the spot. <laughs> That's right. That happens yeah. also. Unless you start loving what's good for yes, you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. So much 
information and I really love to review all this wisdom and all this knowledge and it was really nice to talk to you again. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you so much for having me and it was really a pleasure of mine and um, and let's continue and walk on this journey together and share it with the world. Yes. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya.